settle in it. You shall take some of the first fruits of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for God's name. You shall go to the priest who is in the office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as a stranger. Few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us, by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, and the God of our ancestors, the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power, and with signs and wonders. And God brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, so now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. And then you shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the strangers who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the fourth chapter, the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority. For it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God, and serve only God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, Throw yourself down from here. For it is written, God will command the angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. People are gathered on the cusp of entering the promised land. They've wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They've waited the 40 days for the spies to bring back reports. And finally, they're almost to their destination. Moses is offering instructions. He tells them to bring their first fruits as an offering to God and then to his sight. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as a stranger, few in number. And there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. And when the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction and our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. It's as though Moses is compelling the people to remember who they are. Remember. Remember that you are the people of God and that God is a God of liberation, of freedom, of welcome, a God who hears the cries of the oppressed and acts. Your 40 years of wandering may be over, but your ancestor was a wanderer. You will have a home, but remember that you were homeless. You will not be strangers, but remember that you were once strangers, and so welcome and care for those who are strangers to you now. Remember. Remember who you are. From the Second Testament this morning, we read Jesus, we read this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And the devil said to him, if you were the Son of God, you could command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Where is it written? What does Jesus quote? Deuteronomy. It's in Deuteronomy 8. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know that what's in your heart, whether or not you will keep the commandments. God humbled you by letting your hunger, letting you hunger, and then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In Jesus's second temptation, Satan says, if you then will worship me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only God. Where is it written? Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 6, we read, 
Take care that you do not forget the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not follow other gods, any of the gods of the people who are around you, because the Lord your God is present to you. And then Jesus just keeps quoting Deuteronomy 6 to address the third temptation. Jesus knew who he was, and he knew the sacred stories, and he knew that he was part of the sacred stories. The temptation narrative is at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus has not yet called disciples. He's not yet done any public teaching or healing. Jesus comes to the river to be baptized by John. He enters ritual waters, and then he sees and hears divine blessing. The Spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him, a voice saying, This is my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. It is with this endorsement, beloved, this identity, beloved, that Jesus, clothes still wet from the river, is driven by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. Turn this stone into bread. Show us who you are by doing something. You are what you do. Jump down from the highest point of the temple and win the people's accolades. Just think what praises you'll receive. You are what people say. Finally, Jesus is tempted to bow down and worship Satan, an act that will gain him all the possessions of the world. You are what you have. Jesus is tempted to forget his identity as beloved. Jesus is tempted to forget who he is, to put more importance in the identities the world glorifies, what we do, what others think of us, what we have, rather than the identity given to him by God, beloved. Beloved without regard to doing, achieving, having beloved. But Jesus remembers. He remembers that he is beloved and he remembers the sacred stories of old and he remembers who he is that he is part of the story of God, a story that stretches all the way back and will stretch all the way forward. Aren't we all sometimes tempted to get our identity from external expectations? Tempted to live out some other narrative, forget who we are. Jesus uses story, our sacred stories, to remember who he is. Our stories help to define us, help us to remember. Often our identities are discovered through stories, the stories that we're told and the stories that we tell. We need our stories and we need a community in which to explore our stories. I was in the NICU. I was there to visit my step-niece. I was 15 years old and I had not been in that part of Baptist Hospital for six years. While I was looking at little baby Abby, a nurse came up to me. 
You're Laura Mayo, she said. I froze. I was out of practice. When we were first in the papers, it was not odd for a stranger to recognize me, but it had been years since headlines read, brain-dead mother gives birth. When I was nine, my mother died. She was six months pregnant at the time, and the doctors managed to save my baby brother before my mother died. No one thought the baby would live. We came to the hospital every day for months. We didn't name him at first because every doctor told us to expect his death, but he lived, and baby Mayo eventually became Blake. We were in the news when my mother died tragically, and then we were in the news again, when after three months in the hospital, finally weighing five pounds, my brother came home. As a fourth grader, it was not uncommon for someone to recognize me in the grocery store. I was that girl, the girl whose mother died tragically, the girl who had a miracle baby brother. We moved when I was in middle school. We didn't move far, but I did switch school districts, and I knew no one when I started the eighth grade, and they didn't know me either. They didn't recognize me from the news stories long ago when we were all just kids. It was refreshing and challenging. I had to figure out who I was and quit. I didn't have 40 years, I didn't have 40 days. I didn't even have a wilderness. I found ways to share my story and ways to keep it private. Being authentic does not mean that you have to share every aspect of your life with everyone you meet. In fact, that's not a good idea. We need community for authentic storytelling. A community where we all agree to start with empathy, to listen, to withhold judgment. In community, we can practice sharing our stories. We can practice being authentic and vulnerable. We can find ways to acknowledge struggle and not be defined by it. In community, we can help each other remember. In community, we can acknowledge the ancient stories and hold them as our own. We can see that we share with generations a God of love. In community and in connection to our shared stories, we can resist our temptations to define ourselves by external expectations, by what we can do and what others might say about us and what we have. The Hebrew people remember who they are. Jesus remembers who he is. In this season of Lent, it is my prayer that we remember, that we remember that we are part of a story much bigger than this moment, much bigger than each of us. We're part of God's story, a story of love. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
I've written your name on the palm of my hand. You are mine. God says, I will be with you. Lent gives us 40 days to once again remember, to remember that we are beloved children of God, to remember that our spiritual ancestor was a wandering Aramean, to remember the sacred stories and that we are each part of them. The sacred story is not finished. We're writing it even now. Our remembering will guide us as we seek peace for our world, as we pray for the people of Ukraine and Russia, as we work for justice for trans children and youth and their families, as we work to be anti-racist, as we work to end oppression. This remembering will guide us as we face our own temptations, our temptations to limit ourselves by what we can do, and what other people say, by what we have. This remembering will help us welcome our own refugee family that we're going to help support. This remembering will connect us to each other. It will connect us to the divine. It will connect us to love. You, every one of you, as a beloved child of God, remember who you are. 